Greetings and welcome back to another in our ongoing series of Shurim on Daf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now in Masachet Babakam, Daf Kuf Vav Amud Aleph, near the top of the Amud. And we're about to examine the very strange ruling that we just read in the name of Rav, presented to us from Avhuna. Kufa, Amar Avhuna, Amar Rav, Mana Libyadcha, if a guy says you owe me some money, you have money of mine, Valo, Omer, in Chabiyadi Klum, he denies it, Vinishba, he takes an oath to that effect, Uvao Edim, and then Edim come and indicate that he's lying, Patur. And at the end of the last podcast, I explained what that drusher meant. Now, Amarava, Mistabra Milte Durabe Milva. Rava, who is clearly um, uh, not accept, not comfortable fully accepting Rav's, Rav's dictate here, dictum here, says at least it would make sense in the context of a milva. Why? Because think about this. When you lend money to somebody, the money belongs to them. So then when the fellow says, I don't owe you anything, and takes an oath, it's almost as if you could argue possibly that that oath is what gives him the full ownership of the money. Avala picadon, but in the case of a picadon, bershute de marikai, the owner owns it the whole time, not the shomer. And therefore, it's impossible to accept Rav's position when it comes to a picadon. However, take a look at the pasuk on the page. You said that pasuk is set, the one that Rav is using as a source, is specifically said in the context of a picadon. Vaha Elohim, the text says, Amarav Afilu Bapikadon. Rav himself is saying, even though it would make more sense that Rav's rule would only apply to a Melve, indeed Rav said it about a Pikadon. Why? Dechik Tiv because weird is the Pasuk that Rav is using as a source. What's the context? A Pikadon Tiv, it's a Pikadon. Yati Rav Nachman Kamalahashmata, so now Rav Nachman presented this entire um, ruling of Rav. So he challenged him. If a fellow says, Where is my picadon? And it got lost. It got lost. And the guy says, to the And it turns out that he really ate it. That he has to pay Karen. If he admits it on his own, then he has to pay the Chomish and Hasham. Good. So that proves that you still have liability even after taking the oath. So Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman, defending Rav's ruling, says, what's the case here? That this oath was taken outside of Beitin, because an oath taken outside of Beitin is not nearly as strong, and we're going to see a few examples of that later on. And therefore, that oath is not enough to exempt him from the Chiyuv. And the proof to that is, that the pasuk that Rav is relying on mentions Ad Ha'elohim, you have to come to the Beitin and take the oath. And then, V'lakach Balav Shalem. So, Amalei, Hachi, Ema Seifa. So, Rav Achav Amanyumi says back to Rav Nachman, take a look at the Seifa of that same Brayta. Hechan Piktoni, Amarlo Nignav. This time the guy defends himself and says, not it was lost, but rather it was stolen. Tointanat Ganav. Mashbiachani, V'amar Amen, Vaidimidimoto Shiganavo. So, he takes an oath and lies about it, and Edim come and testify. Mishalom Tashlumi Kefal. He has to be careful. This is classic toy in Tanat Ganav. So now, if you think this bright is talking about an oath taken outside of Beitin, where the plain, where the uh, accuser meets the accused and and just does this to him sort of ad hoc, uh, then there is no payment for Kefal for toy in Tanat Ganav if the Shavu is taken outside of Beitin. 
So therefore, the context has to be inside a beitin. So Rachman answers back. I could answer very simply and say the first part of the bright is talking about a shvua outside a beitin, and the second one is talking about a shvua inside a beitin. But I don't want to give you a stretched answer, a difficult answer, because I got a better answer. I'm going to go back and say the reish is also inside a beitin. In other words, there are now three levels of intensity with the Shvua. The least intense level is going to be when the plaintiff and the accused meet outside of Beitin. And the plaintiff says, where's my thing? The accused says, I don't have it. He says, I'm going to make you take an oath. He says, Amen. That's Chutz Beitin. And that has very little teeth. Then there is a Shvua taken inside of Beitin. But taken inside of Beitin where the plaintiff jumps ahead, Kafatz, and initiates the Shvua. And he says, Amen. There you will have kefal, because it's taken in front of a beitin. Then, of course, the more intense one is where the beitin administers the oath. All right, so that's how he, that's how he reconciles it. So that means now that Rav's ruling is only in the case where the beitin administered the oath. So he says, Mechti de Rav losfiralach. So he asked Rav Nachman a simple question. You don't accept Rav's ruling at all. And you're a Dayan. Literally, why are you selling yourself to Rav? Meaning, why are you putting so much energy to explain Rav when you don't you don't accept Rav's ruling to start with? I'm trying to explain Rav to Rav How would Rav answer? Because Rav has to answer that brayta that says you're still chayiv after shvua. Say, yeah, that's a shvua taken even inside of a beitin where it was initiated by the plaintiff, and where Rav says your pater is where the shvua was taken. Uh, in the Beitin and initiated by the Dayanim. Ive Harav Krakamar, but Rav is using a Pasuk, um, to, uh, to defend his position. Um, and so what are we gonna, how are we gonna, to reconcile this with the Pasuk? The answer is, Amri Kra, Lachol, Nishpain, Shvator, Nishpain, Velo, Mishal, That Pasuk is not really coming for that. He was just using the Pasuk as an Asmachta. The Pasuk, Velakach, Bala, Velo, Yishalem, is there to teach a very important principle, a very wide principle, which is that all Shvuot taken in Midoraita are taken by the fellow who is accused and are used to get him not to pay. Me, as opposed to a Shvuot taken by a claimant who would then collect. Now, there are exceptions, which are famously, when the fellow supposed to take the shvua can't because it's not reliable or he's a goslin or whatever, so then the opposite number takes the shvua and takes the money. Man, what's the drasha here? The one who should be paying is the one who takes the oath. So that's what the pasuk's really for. Let's see if Rav's halacha can hold up, even if we say it's limited to a case where the Beit administered the oath. And again, what Rav's statement is is that if the fellow says I don't have your money, and the, and the Beit Din administers an oath in this new read that Rav Nachman's given us, and it turns out Adim testified that he really does have the money, then he's potter. So let's see how that will work. Um, if the accuser kept administering oaths five times, whether in front or not in front of Beit Din, which by the way means now you cannot argue kafats. You'll see why. The kafar alav, and the guy each time denied it. And then at the end, it turns out that he lied. He has to pay, whether multiple chomshin is a different thing, but he certainly has to bring multiple korbanot. Uh, he's chayi for each shvua. The Amr of Shimon, or Shimon explained why. Since after each shvua, he could admit his guilt, 
Therefore, the next shvua is getting him out of something. Here you can't say kafatz uh, because he should be alav ktani. Because the text is he should be alav, which means the beitin administered it. Chutz the beitin You certainly can't say this talking about only a shvua chutz the beitin because bifne beitin ktani. It says whether in front or not in front of beitin. That means in front of beitin also. So you see here that. Even an oath administered by the Beitin in Beitin, uh, um, the guy is still liable afterwards because his second shvua is also getting him out of a liability. So who motiv lavumafarikla? And Ravamnuna asked the question. And remember, this is Ravamnuna Talmud of Rav. It's very important. Ravamnuna asked the question. And he gave his own answer. Let's study Tani. Read the Breita as being not one case, but two possible cases, or A or B. Hishbiya alav, meaning chutz lebeitin, or ubebeitin kafatz. So he's going to take one of either one of our solutions. Either the whole thing was outside of beitin, or in beitin it was where the plaintiff initiated it. Okay, that's his answer. We're going to see that this is difficult. Metiv Rava. Rava brought a challenge to Rav's whole halacha. Balabayj to Antanat Ganam Pikadon. If a Shomer says, um, it was Nignav. Vinishbava hodauva oedim. And he took a shvua to that effect, and then either he admitted it or Adim came. Actually, both happened. The question is in what order. If he admitted before the Adim came, as usual. But if he admitted it after the Adim came, he has to pay kefel because of throwing down at Ghana. He has to pay asham, bring an asham because of the shvua. Now, this case you cannot do what we just did for Rav Hamnuna and say this is a case of Chutz Lebeitin because if it's Chutz Lebeitin there's no Kefel and Kafatz you can't say. We'll see why. Because there would be no Kefel in either case. And the fact that there's Kefel here in case um, the Edim came first proves that it was a Shvua taken in Beitin ministered by the Dayanim. So therefore, you see, even in a case of a shvu administered by the dayanim, and you and you lied, you still have to pay afterwards. Allah amar rava kol hoda. Any time you admit it, loshna toyntanat david veloshna toyntanat ganav lo rav. Rav did not extend his halacha to a case where after the shvu the guy admits it. Why? It's classic in the Torah. It says, "Vehitvada shachatal." He has to, if he admits it, then he has to bring the Quran asham. So you see that when he admits it, the Torah flat out says, "You still have to pay and bring the asham, etc." So there's no way in the world anybody could say that if you took the shvua and said you didn't owe it, and then it turned out you did, and you admitted it. Sorry that you that you admitted it, that you would be potter. Of course, you have to bring it. Plus, the, you have to pay him. Plus the chomish and the asham. <clears throat> Um, Rav also didn't say it in the case where you're Tointan at Ganav and even Adim came afterwards. Not only Hoda, but Adim came. Why Daktiv Tashlumekefel? Because after all, we have, uh, the, 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 the whole, uh, Parsha of Shomachinam that we darshaned out about Tointan at Ganav and you have to pay Tashlumekefel. And we'd say that's a case where Adim came. So the only case where Rav would have said it would be if the guy said Avad and he took an oath and he never admitted guilt and Adim come and came and said that he's lying. In that particular case, Rav would would say it. 
Alright, so let's see. Azal Rav Gamda v'yamar l'shmata kamad Ravashi. So Ravashi then heard this entire presentation of Rava and Rav's limitations. And said, Amar lay, he said, let's think about it. Hashta umar Rav Hamnuna talmidei Rav. That's why I mentioned the Rav Hamnuna, who brought the challenge from the five oaths, is a student of Rav. V'yadadama Rav hodag v'komotiv hoda. He knows, according to Rava, that Rav did not extend his statement to a case of Hoda where the guy admits it. And he challenged it with a case where the guy admits it. After all, what was Avram Nuna's challenge? He said that if the guy takes five oaths, and he keeps administering an oath and he keeps saying yes, he's high for each one. And Rav Shimon's explanation is because he could admit in the meantime. Well, how's that a challenge to Rav if, according to you, Rava, Rav says that when you admit it, I'm not extending my halacha. I'm only extending it in the case of Adim. Uh, so how could you say that Rav doesn't extend his halacha to a case of Hoda, which we had to get to based on all the proofs? So he answered Ravashi, he said, This is what was bothering Rav Hamnuna the whole time. If you agree that when you take the oath and then Adim come, you turn to an Avad, and Adim came, Yuchayev, that would be why we are mechayiv and korban for the second, second, subsequent shvot after the first one. Because he could admit it, and that would get him out of kefel. But if you claim, Rob's claim, which is, that if the guy's toyin tanat avad and lied and took an oath and then ate him come, he's potter. Mika midi ilu atisadi. How could you have a thing where if the Adim come and testify about it, you're Pater? But we're going to make him Chayiv Korban Shvua because he could have been Mode? He didn't admit to anything. And that's why Rav Nuna saw the, saw the challenge, and then he gave the answer that he did. But that's why he saw that as a problem. Okay, another halacha about Ta'anot of Shomrim. Atoin Ta'anot Ganav Bepikadon. A guy claims Ta'anot Ganav. Shalom Tashlumi Kefel. Tavachumacham Shalom Tashlumi Arvachamisha. That's something we saw in Merubah. So now, if the guy, um, if the guy claims Ta'anot Ganav as, uh, as a Shomer, he pays, um, um, uh, as a Shomer, he pays Kefel. If Tavachu Machar, um, then he has to pay Arba V'chamisha. Right? Just like a regular Ghana. Now, um, and here's his reasoning. There's two parallel tracks. There's a Ganav and a Tointanat Ganav, as we saw at the beginning of Meruba. The two of them are parallel. A Ganav pays Kefel and a Tointanat Ganav, Bishvua, pays Kefel. Just like a Ganav who pays Kefel, if he does Tvichel Mechira, pays to Arba Chamisha, so the tracks run all the way together. So the challenge is in Malaganavish, Kemeshalam Tashlum Kefish, Lobeshvua. But they're not parallel tracks. The Ganav is far more Chomur. He pays Kefel the minute he steals it, before he took a Shvua. But a Tointanat Ganav is only Chayiv after, um, after, uh, he took a Shvua. 
So Amri, the answer they gave was, Hekeshahu. I'll take you back for a minute to the beginning of Merubah, because we're going to discuss this for a while now. And that is that there was a, an, a lengthy discussion about how we know that a Ganav is Chayiv Kefel for anything he steals. And we had two options. One option is that in the Parsha of Shomer Chinam, uh, we said, Im Yimatzei HaGanav, Im Lo Yimatzei HaGanav, one option was to say, Im is talking about a guy who's toin tanat ganav, and Im is talking about a ganav, and there we got everything. The other approach was to say, Im and Lo are both talking about tanat ganav, and ganav we had to get from the parsha of Gnev itself, and then we had a shore and chayim, etc., we had to go through that whole drasha. So we'll see those two approaches played out right now. So the first answer was, Hekesha, he ve'en meshivan al the, the source of that is a hekesh, and you don't challenge such a juxtaposition from a, the disanalogy, uh, that's fairly slight between the ganav and tointanat ganav. But ha ganav, that only works according to the, the approach that says that both ganav and tointanat ganav are in the same parsha, the parsha of Shomachinam. Shapir, but according to the approach who says, both passages in Shomer Chinam are talking about Toin Tanat Ganav, and Ganav is learned from a whole different parsha, also Mishpatim, but different parsha, so how will they justify the analogy when there's really a challenge to the analogy? So Amri Ganav HaGanav. They said the fact that it says Imi Matzei HaGanav means that all the rules of Toin Tanat Ganav are applied from and to the rules of Ganav, a real Ganav. And just like a Ganav pays the Arba Chamisha, so a, so a Toin Tanat Ganav. That's Rabbi Yochanan's argument. Now, Eitra Rabchia Bar Abba Rabbi Yochanan. So now Rabchia Bar Abba, who quoted the Salacha, now turns to his Rebbe and says, I have a challenge. We have a ruling, Hechan Shori, a guy says, where's my ox? He answers, Nignav. So he takes a shvua that it was stolen. And the witnesses testified that he ate the ox. Ate it, not just spent it. Right, he has to pay kefal. Now, only kefal and out of a He can't eat an animal without shechita. So you see that a toin tanan ganav, if he shechted the animal, does not pay more than kefal. So So the answer we give is, oh, maybe he ate it as a nevela. In other words, he didn't do a proper shechita. He's not chayiv for tficha because he didn't do a tficha. In other words, we're defending Rabbi Yochanan. Why didn't Rabbi Yochanan answer him? That the animal turned out to be a trefa. The answer is Kreb Meir. He was concerned about the opinion of Rameir. If you recall, big machlok between Rameir and Rab Shimon about what happens if you do a shechita which doesn't accomplish what shechita is supposed to accomplish. So Rab Shimon says that's not called tvicha for Arba Chamisha and for, for anything else, Shabbos, etc. Rameir says that it is. And therefore, since Rameir says, if you shechted a treifa, even though the shechita won't be matir, nonetheless, you did an act of shechita, you're chayiv arba v'chamisha, Rabbi Yochanan didn't want to give that answer. So why didn't Rabbi Yochanan say, it's talking about a ben pakua, meaning an animal that was found in the womb of the mother after she was shechted, which according to Chachamim, the shechita of the mother is matir. The answer again was Kareb Meir. He wanted to take Rabbi Meir's opinion into account. Amar ben pakua, to'un shechita, needs its own shechita. Uh, why didn't we, why didn't he answer? It, it was a case where the Ghana was already Omed Bedin. Now, in other words, before he ate it. 
He was caught, he was Omid Bedin, and they not only told him, Yechayev, they told him you have to pay. Remember, If they told him you have to pay, and then he was Toveach or Mocher, he's Pater for the extra three, etc. My time came on the Paske Lemilte, once they told him to pay, and now it's already a regular debt. Now he's simply a Goslin, taking something that he's supposed to return with payment, and shechting it, and he's a regular Goslin. There is no Mochamisha there. But if he says, parenthetically, we're finishing Rav's statement, Chayama Taliten, if they just say you're liable for this amount, without saying pay, my akati Then he still has to pay Rochamisha because he's just now still in the status of a Ganav because it hasn't been assigned for payment yet. Okay. So, so Rabbi Yochanan keeps, keeps getting asked, why, why didn't you, or we're asking about Rabbi Yochanan, why didn't he answer this way? Why did he pick Nevela? Why did he not pick Trefa, Ben Pekua, Ahmad Bedin? So Amri Vli Tamech. So they answered back in the basement. I can make up another case where you're not Chayiv or Arba B'chamisha. Such as when partners steal and one of them does the Shechita without the other guy knowing. The answer he picked Nevela is an example. The truth is there are lots of examples available. For anybody who looks at the beginning of Perak Merubah, Lots of examples available. We're not chayiv arba chamisha because of this technicality or that technicality. Okay, so we answer the question. quotes another about If a fellow pick, finds an aveda, another fellow comes and says, "Where's my aveda?" He says, "It was stolen from me." The the fellow who found the aveda has to pay kefal if he's lying. My tama. It's a curious read of the pasuk. That pasuk on the page, which is on the handout, which is a central pasuk in the whole issue of Hodaot and of and of Shvuot, etc., which is Akol Aveda as the end of a list. And then Asher Yomar Kihuze is what we know Mod of Mikzat. The way he's reading it, parsing it differently, is Akol Aveda Shayomar. Meaning, if you make this claim about an Aveda, then you have to pay uh, like a Tanat Ganav. Challenged him. We have the pasuk that says ki ish. Now watch how this works. That the parsha of shomrim and the liability of a shomer only works when ki ish. If the mafkid is an ish, katan klum. If the mafkid is a is a katan, meaning he's underage when he gives it, then that's nothing. Now, meaning the parsha doesn't kick in. So far, all I know is when he gave it to him as a minor. Let's say a kid became an orphan, and he had some valuable stuff, and he gave it to a shomer. He said, when I grow up, you will take care of it for me. And and so far, all I know is a case where he comes and claims it when he's still a cotton. Then the, the fellows uh, don't get him in further trouble than just paying back the karen. How do I know that if the kid gave it to him as a kid and then was tovea him as an adult? I mean, the, the mafkid was an adult. How do I know that he's still not in the parsha? That the, that they have to go, the, literally the words of both of them come to the court. But the way it means now is, the both of them here is not both litigants, but rather both the giving and the claim have to come in the same status, meaning he has to be an adult both times. But if you're right, Rabbi Yochanan, 
If you're right, that if when somebody claims a claim of Geneva about an Aveda, there's still Chayiv, when this kid, who's now 14, he comes and claims, says, where's my stuff? And the guy says, Nignav, and it turns out he's lying. So why not just treat it like an Aveda that came into the fellow's hands when this kid was 13, and now he's uh, lying about it, and let, the, let him call it Kefal that way. So, so Rabbi Chiyabarabba's answer is, oh, maybe, maybe Rebbe meant the case only when, uh, maybe in this case, it would only be when the, the item was actually uh, spent and used by the Shomer and his malfeasance when the Mafkid was still a Katan. So what would happen if, let's say, all of the malfeasance happened after the Mafkid was a Gadol? Then he would have to be Mishalim. In other words, the Limur from that Pasuk only applies when those critical acts happened while the Mafkid was a Katan. So, if that's the case, then what is the right to say that the handing over, the Hafkada, and the claim have to be in the same status? Why don't they just say something simpler, which is that the spending or the malfeasance and the claim have to be at the same time? said, that's actually how I read the Brayta. But we have a simpler answer to Ravashi has. Your challenge to Rabbi Yochanan's halacha about claiming Geneva with an Aveda, and your challenge from this statement about the Katan, is not a challenge. Aveda ka'achim ikoach bendat. When somebody found, an, found something, they found something that was lost by a bendat. So there was, in a sense, full liability right at this point. And therefore, your claim of nignav is really an attack on, on the, uh, or hurting this adult. But this case, when the kid gave it to you as a katan, came to you from a non-bendat. So the two are not analogous. Okay? Next halacha. says, if somebody claims ganav in the context of pikadon, he's only chayev when there's partial partial admission and partial denial. Just like with the case of a halva. After all, the phrase that we know from is the phrase kihuzeh in the middle of our pasuk about toin tanat ganav v'fikadon. Famously says, Eru parshiot katuvkan. That, um, that Eru parshiot katuvkan uh, meaning that the that the phrase that shows up kihuzeh in the middle of the parsha pikadon is really talking about milveh and not talking about pikadon chitiv kihuzeh amilveh hudichtiv. So now, once we see, even if we say, except Rav Chiyabar Yosef, who says, or at least the corner of Chiyabar Yosef, who says that the phrase kihuzeh is referring to milveh. Why can't we use that as a model and say, just like when you owe me $100,000 of a loan and you claim you only owe me fifty, I can administer an oath me doraita, why don't we say the same thing if you say, well, part of the pigadon is stolen or it wasn't as much as you say or whatever motive makes that you might claim. Why can't we say the same thing? The answer is that the entire notion of motive miksatatana being chayev is explained by the famous Chazaka the Rabbi. You can't say it's based on, because it's based on a Pasuk, but it's explained by the famous Chazaka of Rabbah, which is a Chazaka about psychology, which may not be transferable, and for a reason I'll suggest at the end of this, uh, to Pikadon, the Amar Rabbah. 
Why did the Torah say that if a fellow denies full liability for a debt, but admits to some, he has to take the oath, we have a chazak that a person cannot look at his creditor straight in the face and deny any liability. Right? So really, if he wanted to get out of it, he should have said, I don't owe you anything. The reason he didn't do that, because he's not able to. So really, he should admit full liability. Why did he deny some? If I admit everything, I'm going to have to pay him everything. He's going to claim it right now. Right now, I'll lie about half of it. Until I can get some more money. In other words, I'm an honest guy. I want to pay him back. I don't have all the money right now. So I'll admit to what I have available and deny the rest. And uh, that'll be comfortable for me personally, and then when I get the rest of the money, I'll quietly contact him and say, I owe you more, and I'll, and I'll pay you back. Therefore, the Torah put a shvu on this guy, to force him to either admit to all of it, or freely. On the other hand, if he really doesn't owe more, he'll take an oath, and then we'll know that he didn't owe more. But this only applies to a milva. But in the context of Bikadon, a person is very comfortable saying, I, I don't have your stuff at all, when he really does. And therefore, the reasoning behind Mod of Miksat really could not apply according to Chebar Yosef. Meaning, according to Chebar Yosef, that the phrase Kihuza, which is the source for Mod of Miksat, is really about Halva. It's not transferable to Bikadon. According to Yochanan, of course, since the phrase Kiyuzeh contextually is within Tohintanat Ganav, so therefore Modem Miksat certainly applies there. We can then transfer from there to Milveh via Rabbah's Chazaka and then use a Kalvachomer to say it should apply there. Just one note about the psych- psychology behind uh, the the difference between a Halva and a Pikadon is if you think about it, nearly every or every relationship that we have with another person is a relationship which is a power relationship in which one of the people usually uh, carries, and this sometimes could shift from person to person, carries more power. In the context of a al Halva, there's no question that the Malva is the one who's, uh, who's, in, who's in the powerful seat. And the lova is the one who had to come to him, and he had to ask for money, and he had to make promises, and he had to get cosigners and whatever else he needed to do. And now he's uh, in an uncomfortable position. The op- exact opposite is the true is true with a mafkid, and certainly in the case of a shomer chinam, when the mafkid, and that's the context here, where the mafkid said, "Please do me a favor and watch my stuff. I'm going away for a week. Watch my stuff." Uh, or here, uh, you keep it. You've got a better barn. You keep it there where the one who is really in the power position is the mafkid. Now think about this in the context of the ta'anot. In the case where the creditor comes after the debtor and says, you owe me money, so the debtor doesn't have the ability to look at his creditor to whom he's already beholden and just look at him straight up and say, I don't owe you anything. However, in the case of Picardon, when the mafkid comes up to the shomer, who's the one who's in the power position, he's the one who's doing the favor. He's the one who was asked, who was sought out by the mafkid. Perhaps it's a little more comfortable to say, I don't know who you are, I don't have any such stuff. And therefore the entire um, uh, system that Raba explains as the undercurrent uh, of, um, or sort of the backstory of Modav uh, Miksat would not be applicable. And therefore, Yosef, since he reads Eru Parshiot and Modav Miksat Tatana is said originally about Hava, it's not transferable to Pikadon. Okay, we will pick up Mirz Hashem in the next uh, podcast. 
Adaf Kuf Zayin Amud Aleph, and we're going to go all the way through to the Mishnah, Adaf Kuf Chet Amud Bet. Um, in the meantime, everyone should have a wonderful day.